Good morning. It's great to be here. First time in the, the new building. It's super exciting. Uh, as was mentioned, I, uh, I spoke, I think, about four times in the gym. Uh, so I know how far you've come. Uh, in a very small way, it's exciting to be a part of that. Um, but my prayer, as I said in the first service, is not that you would just join the many nice buildings that are in the Twin Cities already, but that this would be an incredible catalyst for the gospel outside of this church. Yes, let's bring them back, but we need to be out there. Uh, and I know that's the heart of this church, and it's so exciting when I get the opportunity to speak. Uh, as the video mentioned, I'm part of a, a missions organization called Steiger International. Uh, and often what happens um, when I come to churches is people will come to me. Someone will probably not do this now, uh, I'm warning you, but they'll come to us and they'll say, you know, it's so great that you guys reach those strange fringe people out there. It's so exciting that you do that. We couldn't do that. And, and the reality is we're not reaching strange fringe people. The church is largely becoming the strange fringe group. Truthfully, we reach culture. We reach the predominant post-Christian culture throughout the world that really makes up a demographic of about a billion people. And the reality is every day more are being added to the number of those that are either indifferent or hostile to the gospel. They just don't see that it's relevant. They just don't care. I talk to these kids all the time. And so it is our heart to go to them, as the video said, to establish these city teams and to communicate the gospel in a way that they can understand. But as the video also mentioned, we recognize that we cannot do this alone. We often say that our work is not hard. It's impossible. Of course, impossible without God's power, but also impossible without all of you. This isn't a spectator performer thing. To be honest, I don't think it ever was supposed to be. God has a role for every single person here to play. Uh, and so we are passionate about mobilizing the church, encouraging, inspiring, in some way being part of, of a catalytic force that would, would help reach this city and the state and this world for Jesus. Um, and so being here this morning, it really hits on one of my two main passions, which is creative evangelism and challenging the church, being hopefully being inspirational in some way through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a privilege to be here. I'm so grateful. Uh, a few ways that you can connect with us. Uh, one of the best ways, if what I say resonates with you, you're like, oh, I'm into that. I want to hear more. Go to our Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, it's been running for about five years now. And uh, the whole thing centers around the question, how can we be faithful for, for Jesus outside of the church in a post-Christian context? Uh, we have some of the biggest names throughout the Christian world come and lend their, their anointing and their expertise on this subject. Uh, it's a really powerful, dynamic uh, podcast, I believe. And so check that out. Subscribe. Let somebody know. I think that's a way to stay connected with our voice and our heartbeat. Uh, also, about two years ago, I wrote a book called Jesus in the Secular World. Uh, it's been made into a small group study for Right Now Media. And again, a great way uh, to stay connected with us, to hear more about our story, uh, what makes us tick. Um, we brought a bunch of books. Uh, we asked for a $10 donation. If that's a barrier, please take one. I heard this band one time, and they said, please buy our merch so we can buy McChickens on the way home, uh, which I thought was funny and kind of sad. Steve and I don't need McChickens, but you can grab a book. That'd be cool. So there it is, fellas. There's my joke. Anyway, I told the front row I was going to try a joke that would probably fail. I got that out of the way. Um, lastly, sign up for our newsletter because many of you inevitably will wonder, it's great that you're doing things out there, but what about here? 
What about the U.S.? We get asked that question all the time. And let me tell you, our passion, we are, we are turning our attention to North America. We have three city teams, one in Minneapolis, one in Denver, one in Houston. We want to have 10 by 2025. Uh, and we want you to be involved. We, we want you to get involved with, with what we're doing here in Minneapolis. Uh, and, and so we're doing seven different outreaches throughout the summer. Uh, and we want you to join us. If you come and talk to us, you sign up, you can get more information, and you can join us uh, as we share the love of Jesus outside of the church. This last 18 months has been weird, right? It's been really weird. Uh, I remember being here, I think it was about February maybe of 2020, right when the whole thing was unfolding, and I made a bunch of really bad predictions and probably awkward jokes, um, obviously not knowing what would go on. Uh, I remember being on our podcast, and I was reading a book at the time, and one of the driving events in the book was the Second World War. And I remember being struck by the idea of, of, of how disruptive it was. You know, you've got all this, these people, the whole world, doing their thing, making their plans, living their lives, and then boom, this thing hits, and suddenly everyone has to redirect. There's no one that, it, that wasn't in some way impacted by this global war. And I literally said on this podcast in like, I don't know, December 2019, isn't it weird that I've never in my lifetime experienced a globally disruptive event? That's so bizarre. What are the odds? I mean, I have this on record. It's, I'm, it's, there's proof that I'm kind of dumb. So months later, the, the pandemic hits and turns out, you know, it, it may not be a global war, but it was pretty disruptive. You know, and then you add to that the killing of George Floyd, the, the riots, the, the contentious election. It's been, it's been weird. It's been hard. There's a lot of people that are hurting, that are suffering, that, that are experiencing all sorts of difficult things. And the way I see it as followers of Jesus, we really have three options in terms of how we're going to respond. We can be afraid, and out of fear, we can retreat. We can say, forget it. I'm sick of this city. I'm out. I'm going to move. There's plenty of space in this country. I'm going to find some farmland and get out of here. We can physically isolate, mentally, spiritually isolate, narrow our bubbles, confine ourselves, and, and just retreat from it all. Or out of apathy, we can just do nothing. It's like, I can't solve these problems. It's too big for me. I, I got enough going on in my own life, so I'll just do my own thing. Or we can be like Jesus and we can see crisis as opportunity. You see, I think Jesus' followers are uniquely qualified during crisis. And that's because during crisis, the things that we put our hope in become exposed for how fragile they really are. And everyone feels it. No one will argue with you. Everyone admits that what they thought was so secure suddenly didn't feel so secure. And followers of Jesus, we actually have the truth. We have the truth. And I believe that more than ever, the Christian presence, the Christian voice is necessary. Now, let me be really clear. By Christian voice, I don't mean political voice. I don't mean ideological, powerful, cultural voice. I mean that the Christian, the, the, the Jesus message in the lives and places of real people is necessary now more than ever. We need to be there in their places, telling them where, the, where real hope comes from. And yet I think largely the Christian voice is silence. We aren't there anymore. We aren't sharing anymore. People aren't, certainly aren't asking anymore. 
And I think this is tragic because we are the ones with real hope. We are the ones who actually have the solution. And I think we need to find our voice. And this morning, I want to talk about three ways that we can find our voice. Three reasons why I think we have largely silenced ourselves. Let me pray first. Jesus, not my words, not today, Lord. They're not enough. Holy Spirit, you are present, you are active, you want to speak. So speak. If all this nonsense I've got written down isn't what you want to say, then say something else. But Jesus, let it be real and let it be from you. Amen. The first thing we need to do to find our voice is move outside of our comfort zones. We can't be apathetic. We can't be afraid. We have to move beyond our comfort zones. You know, Jesus is needed. We need to share Jesus outside of the church with those outside of the church. But it's hard to do that if we don't know anyone outside of the church. It's a little difficult to do that. Now, I know we all know people in a sense, right? We work with people that don't believe. We're living next door to people that don't believe. But do we really intimately know them? Are they in our lives? Are we in their lives? Because see, Jesus was intimate with people who did not yet know him who did not yet believe. In fact, he spent so much time with sinners that he was often accused of being one himself. says in Luke 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This was an intimate act. Inviting someone into your home, going into someone's home, sharing a meal, this was an intimate act. Jesus was in the lives of those who did not yet think, believe, or act as he did. He didn't care about his reputation. He wasn't worried about being guilty by association. He didn't care. Jesus came for the sick, not for the healed. And if we're going to be used, if we're going to find our voice, we have got to push beyond our comfort zones. We've got to start having something disrupt our patterns and our busyness and our routines. You know, one of the primary ways that I, I get to be on the front lines, is, as was mentioned, is with this band, No Longer Music. It's this itinerant evangelistic band that goes all throughout the world. We've got this massive, amazing stage and setup. We go into public places, hard, cynical, secular, post-God places, play a big show, show the gospel, share the gospel, invite people to respond. It's amazing. We see thousands of people coming to Jesus talking to these kids after the show, sharing who he is. I love it. It's amazing. We do this 80, 90 times a year, hundreds of thousands of people. But of course, as the pandemic hit, this all went away. Now, our mission actually thrived during the pandemic. It it grew. But this side of it, of course, went away. And I could feel as the months wore on that part of my spiritual life was was atrophying. It It was growing weak. You know, I was like, I don't want to just talk about this Christian thing. I don't want to just read about it or post about it or make videos or podcasts. I don't want, I want to be with people. I want to get out there. And as it became obvious that this summer we once again weren't going to be able to tour, I said to my team, we got, we got to do something. We got to mix it up. And, and so I run the media department at our mission and we were going to, we, we decided to do this documentary where we were going to try to understand the perception of Christianity by normal kids outside of the church Versus the reality. Like, how did they get to this view of, of Jesus that's so off from what's true? And one of the driving pushes for this, we were going to have to do street interviews, lots of them. 
to get this data, to find out what do people believe? What do these kids believe? Now, if you know my personality, if you really know me, I may seem extroverted, but really I'm not. Not initially. I'd rather speak for a thousand people than meet a few new people. Hopefully that doesn't offend anyone after the service, but I'll still say hi. But inside I'll be suffering. No. (laughs) I'm just shy at first. It's just who I am. I pass it on to my kids. It's weird. It's just who I am. Right? So the idea of going week after week after week onto the streets, talking to strangers like a salesman, it's like the worst. I know probably everyone feels that way, but it's just not me. But I knew we had to get out there. I was tired of being in this bubble, COVID and otherwise. And so we started going out. But I'm telling you, every lie, every excuse, all the resistance. Oh, not today. Oh, it's too busy. Oh, it's too hot. No, they aren't going to care. Oh, they don't want to talk. They won't listen. It's going to be dumb. Every lie. But I've learned over the years to ignore this voice and to push through. And so we would go. And it was amazing. It's amazing. One of the questions I ask people is, one of the number one things Google during the pandemic was, how do I pray? Why do you think that is? It's amazing. It just totally opens the door to these spiritual conversations. And week after week, I'm talking to these kids, sharing the gospel. The openness is amazing. But it's a fight. Even this week, once again, we were going to go. Once again, I didn't want to go. Once again, all the excuses, all the lies. Now it's going to be dumb. No one's going to care. They're not going to listen. I've done it many weeks in a row. I surely could take a week off. As I told my team we weren't going to go, then I went away and immediately, no, you got to go. You need to do it. So I said, okay, let's go. So we go down. U of M, we're talking to kids, having, a, having great conversations. And then we're about to wrap up, and these two guys come up. And uh, one of the guys didn't want to talk, and one did. And so we talked to the guy, and he was cool. He was open, didn't believe, shared the gospel. It was great, good conversation. They left. And we said, let's get one more and then go. Uh, but before we were, out, we, were, we were done, before we left, the two guys came back. And the one guy who didn't talk came up to me, and he said, you know, I'd like to ask you some questions. I said, okay. So it's obvious you're Christians, so tell me how you became Christians. So we said, okay, and we, we shared our, our story. He said, yeah, that's interesting. He said, I grew up in a religious home, and, but I, re- I left all that stuff. I hated it. But then I went on, and I started to explore atheism, and I gave myself to that. And I, but I got to that, and I felt like, man, this is so empty. Really? This is all there is? Just chaos? Just relativism? Just no truth? There's got to be more. And he said, just last week, or just recently, I just picked up a Bible and I started reading Matthew and it's effing awesome. It's like, I'm like reading this going, man, this is so effing great. And I'm like, yeah, that's so cool. And our videographer says, hey, would you want to study the Bible together? He's like, yes. I don't know anyone that's into this stuff. I'd love that. He gave him his number. And they said, can we pray for you? And he said, I don't know how to do that. How do I pray? He said, well, you just talk to God. He's here. So he prays with us. We've been in contact with both these kids ever since. We're going to meet them, study the Bible. People are so, so open, so hungry. But every time, it's been a fight. Every time, I don't want to go. Every time, I'm afraid. Every time, there's an excuse. But is it any wonder that in light of what was waiting for us, that there was a fight? We believe all the lies. We stay in our bubbles because we just give in to the resistance. 
But I'm telling you, every time we've gone, there have been Holy Spirit anointed divine appointments. Kids that need to hear about Jesus if I was just willing to get over myself and go. Our voice is needed, but not in here. This is great. This is lovely. But they're not coming here. It doesn't matter how cool we make it. It doesn't matter how pretty our buildings are. They're not coming. We need to go to them. We need to be like Jesus. And I'd love to stand here and say I'm this perfect model of courage. I'm not. I'm afraid. Every time I go, every time I open my, up my mouth, every time. But we need to go. We need to get out of our bubbles. We need to get out of our isolation. Isolation is our number one enemy. You will never care about people that you don't know. They will always be projects There'll always be stereotypes and concepts. When we are isolated, we don't care. We answer questions people aren't even asking. We speak in a language people don't understand. And quite frankly, we're just weird. We're just weird. Jesus was in the world, and we need to be like him. And if we're going to find our voice, we got to move out of our comfort zones. Second thing we need to do is stop being shocked by sin. I want to attempt to explain something very complicated. So pay attention. Sinful people sin. I'm amazed at how good we Christians are at being outraged. (gasps) Cancel them. Let me post about it. That'll help. Why are we so surprised? Oh, look at they vote like that. How could they say those things? How could they have those attitudes? How could they believe that stuff? Christians should be the most understanding of their own sin and then by extension of everybody else's. People should be running to, not from our churches. This should be the safest place. Let's talk about the gospel. What is it? The same thing I'm telling these kids every week at the U of M. Jesus does for you and for me what I can't do, what we can't do for ourselves. He forgives me for the sin I have, for the bad things I do. Forgives me, heals me, sets me free. All I got to do is surrender and accept it. And you can do that right now. If we really believed that, would we really ever be so surprised by sin? Would we not be the most merciful, most welcoming, most accepting people out there? And yet too often we're not. You see, Jesus knew just how self-righteous the religious could be. People like me, he just knew. He knew our hearts, the proclivity of the human heart to look at ourselves and go, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. So he tells this powerful story. There's a man who owes a staggering amount of debt. I mean, this is un, just unforgivable. It's, it's beyond repay, repayment. And miraculously, the king, who he owes it to, just wipes it clean, says, you are forgiven. So how does this man respond in light of this incredible mercy that he's shown? Well, he becomes the most gracious, grateful, merciful, kind person around, right? That's, of course, how he responds. Not so much. Matthew 18, 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. 
He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This guy has been forgiven an unforgivable amount. And yet the first thing he does when he has this happen is he goes out and he demands the debt that is owed to him. King finds out and he's pretty mad. It says in verse 32, skipping down, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Fair enough, right? How could he do that? How could he act that way? How could he forget what was done for him and treat those around him in a different way? And yet, doesn't this often describe us? Have we forgotten who we are? Debtors? Forgiven an unforgivable amount? Recipients of extraordinary grace? Does that not demand of us mercy for others? Does that not demand from us an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of mercy? You see, Jesus knew sinners would sin. That's why he came. And a Christian who does not have a revelation of his own sinfulness, his own indebtedness, will inevitably become self-righteous. This version of Christianity not only fails to actually follow Jesus, it hurts our witness. No wonder people don't want to hear what we have to say when all they know is what we are against. Believe me, they know. They know. Are we for anything? If we are going to regain our voice, if we are going to be effective outside of the church, we've got to remember who we are. I mean, it should just be the lens through which everything else is seen. It should be impossible for us to see anyone without first seeing the cross and what that means for you and for me. The cross eliminates the excuse for self-righteousness. We are no better. People need to know that. The third thing we need to do to find our voice is to keep it simple. Get out of our comfort zone. Stop being shocked by sin and keep it simple. You know, at the height of the pandemic, if you were like me, I was reading, listening, and watching to way too much. And it was starting to hurt my brain. And I was like, I got to stop. Like, I can't read another article, look at another graph. And this is getting overwhelming. And you probably can relate, but I think many of us, we live in this age of information overload and we're just sucking it all in. We're so concerned. We're so anxious. We're so worried. We're just consuming information because we're so afraid. We're afraid of, you know, we're worried about our kids' education and the leftist agenda and big government and the Quality Act and the rise of Marxism and blah, blah, blah. We're worried. All these isms, all these threats. All these ideologies, we're so worried and we just want more information, more people who already think like us telling us what we already think. My heart, and I want you to hear this, my heart, and I believe God's heart, is that we would stop talking about liberals, we'd stop talking about Marxists, we'd stop talking about the LGBT, and we would start talking to them. 
We need to stop talking about them, posting about them, whining about them, and start talking to them. That's what Jesus did. These aren't agendas to overcome. These are people Jesus loves. They don't need people to tell them they're wrong. They don't need people to tell them they're idiots. They need people to share the love of Jesus with them. Jesus always went after the heart, knowing that the behavior would follow. We need to stop being so concerned that they know exactly how we feel. I'd love to share the love of Jesus with you, but first you need to know where I stand and all the ways I disagree with you. Who's ever changed because they were told they're an idiot? It's not how Jesus was. There was a hated weasel in Jesus' day named Zacchaeus. This coward, this thief, this betrayer of his people. And everyone would have loved nothing more than for Jesus to put him in his place. Tell him how wrong he was. How much of a coward he was. How much of a thief he was. But what does Jesus do? I'm coming to your house. You see all these people? All these good religious people? I'm coming to your house. What kind of effect does this have on Zacchaeus? Says in Luke 19, 8 through 9. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth back to the poor Lord. Then if I've cheated anyone of their taxes, I will give back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. This, this is how we get our voice back. We love people. We're kind to people. We're merciful to people. Consider Paul's words in Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it is his kindness that is intended to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness that turns you from your sin. Zacchaeus didn't change because he was called out. He changed because someone saw him and loved him and cared enough about him. And it was this kindness that transformed his heart. We have to move beyond our bubbles. We have to stop being shocked by sin and we need to keep it simple. The world absolutely is chaotic. And there are many things to worry about, I guess. But the world has been chaotic before and it will be chaotic again And I believe followers of Jesus should thrive at a time like this. While everything and everyone is shrinking back, it should embolden us because we have the truth. We have the truth. But we have to move beyond our comfort zones. Isolation is our enemy. We have to remember who we are. Saved sinners passing out grace and mercy. And we've got to stop allowing our minds and our hearts to be filled with fear and conspiracy and doom. And remember that most people are not that different from you. Despite the signs in their lawns, despite their voting record or the things they say on social media, they, they mostly just care about their families. They, they want to be safe. They, they care about justice. We may disagree on the end result or how to get there. But what these people need is for someone to tell them about Jesus. And who better to do it than you and me. 
I'm going to invite the band out to play and give us an opportunity to respond to this. But I believe there are people here who maybe you don't know the Jesus that I'm talking about. Maybe you've come to church for a while. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you just stumbled in here and didn't know you're going to hear this weird guy talking like this. But either way, you're here. And I believe that, that you feel something in what I'm saying. And you're like, I don't know if I know this Jesus in that way. I don't know if I've ever really surrendered. Maybe it's just been a cultural thing. Maybe I've played games. Maybe I was there and I've walked away. I don't know where you are at. But I want to offer you an opportunity to meet the Jesus that I'm talking about. The Jesus that can forgive you. The Jesus that wants to set you free. Turn your whole life around. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is just if everybody could stand while we sing another song. If this is you, as the band's playing here, I just want you to come forward. It's not going to be weird. We're all friends here. But as a physical declaration of the desire you want to see, of an opportunity that you want to take to meet the creator of the universe, just come forward. Anywhere along here. You know, some of you might say, I don't have to physically do that. I think you do. Sometimes we have to kill our pride a little bit and say, I want to know this Jesus. I'm tired of playing games. And so if that's you and you feel that, come forward now. Just come, from, come to the front. Don't miss this chance to connect with the one who made you, who loves you, who can forgive you, who can set you free. If there's anyone like that at all, no pressure, but I just want you to come forward right now. If you want to respond, you haven't responded, you still can. It doesn't have to be a program. It's not a routine. It's an opportunity that you can still take. We have people in the lobby who want to talk to you, want to connect with you. So if what I said touched you and you need prayer, you want to give your life to Jesus, they'll be happy to lead you in that. If you did respond and I can't see you, or if you're just in the front row and it's confusing to me, (laughs) that's cool too. Let me just pray for us. Jesus, we love you. God, life is too short to have a form of godliness but deny its power. And the world certainly needs it. And so God, beyond the building, beyond the routine, move us into the world. Every person here has a friend, has a colleague, has a family member, has a neighbor. Every person here who this week, they can take that risk, reject the lies, reject the excuses, excuses, and ask the question. And I believe you have Holy Spirit, divine appointments awaiting every person here. If we would just take the risk, move out of our comfort zones, not worry about all the superficial things and just share the love of Jesus. And it will so invigorate the faith of this church, it will be unstoppable. Let us all not just be hearers, but doers of the word, Jesus. I'm so tired of cultural Christianity. I want something real. The world needs something real. Doesn't need another moral system. It needs the living God. 
So use this church powerfully in Blaine and beyond. Thank you for your mercy even when we get it wrong. Amen.